holy name of Jesus. Amen. The music plays. The hero looks over his shoulder at his loved one and sets out for work unaware of what is coming next. But we, the people sitting on the couch or in the seat at the theater, we're highly, highly aware of the significance. And we kind of wish our life was like that, as interesting. That's what we love about movies and books, the drama. That that might be the last kiss or the last goodbye. I mean, in real life, we say goodbye to our loved ones, our families, every morning. If we notice that the sky is growing dark, it's not some foreboding thing. It's just a storm. It's probably going to rain. But we're treasuring the ordinary things of life and rejoicing in those moments is important. A lot of times we're too caught up with trying to think of how we're going to describe what we've seen to actually enjoy our walk in the woods. We're too worried about snapping that perfect picture. We fail to actually take in the grandeur of the Grand Canyon. But what's true of a person enjoying the Grand Canyon is even more true of a person enjoying grace and recognizing that he belongs to God and that his life is for God. The point that Jesus wants to make to the Pharisees isn't about paying taxes or the two kingdoms. It's about surrendering everything to God because they bear the image of God. Sometimes we do need it, that kick in the pants. We need to recognize that we are selfish and stingy. We need to reevaluate our priorities, not only, not only how we spend our money but also how we spend our time. How often do we actually read the Bible? How often do we pray? How frequently do we come to church and receive the Eucharist? And then we might add asking about how faithfully we do these things. Are we paying attention during the service? Or are we just rushing through it, going through the motions? Are we cheerful givers? Or do we resent it? But I don't want to do any of that today because that's not what the Pharisees needed. They were keeping the law, at least externally. They were tithing. They were going to the temple. They were faithfully reciting the Shema. They refused the Messiah, though. Made enemy, made allies of the Herodians. And they sought to trap Jesus for the sake of murdering him. They were hypocrites. Acting for the sake of appearance, but not believing it in their hearts. Rather than marveling in the beauty of the Grand Canyon, they were taking selfies to make sure everyone knew that they were there. The Lord's response to this is, render to God what is God's. For the Pharisees, this doesn't mean giving more money. They were doing that. It means 
to rejoice that you belong to God and that all of your life is pleasing to Him in Christ. As He so often does, even though He's rebuking the Pharisees, He's reaching out to them. They were made in the image of God, not of Caesar. And Christ has come to restore them to that, to bring them into the fold and to give his life for a ransom for theirs, to save them from their sins. What you need to take away from this isn't that you need to give more money to the church or that you need to do more work around the church, though we're always grateful for those things. What you need like the Pharisees, is a change in perspective. You need to re-evaluate your worth and the worth of your work and life in light of the fact that God has inscribed His image upon you through baptism. He's declared you righteous. It's not only what you give to religious or charitable causes that's giving to God, whether you know it or not, you're giving your whole life to God. Raising children, mowing your lawn, selling life insurance, as well as coming to church to receive the Eucharist, smiling at the Vietnam veteran and thanking him for his service, and just slapping a frozen pizza on the table for your family. This is all service to God. There is no part of your life, no part of your income, no part of your work that isn't. There isn't one part that's holy and other parts that are neutral. All of you belongs to God. Your works don't have to be specifically religious to be holy. The Pharisees didn't get this. That's why they would cheat their parents while pretending they were tithing. You sometimes don't get it either. That's why you plan your dinnertime speeches rather than enjoying the woods as a gift of God. We can, in an external way, set our wills to fulfilling the law. We can put aside a portion of our income for the work of the church, for the care of the poor. We can recognize that God has given us duties to one another and then set about doing them. We can fulfill part of the law in an external way. And you know, it's good when we do this. The Pharisees were never told to stop tithing. So, some mother may not want to be woken up in the middle of the night by a crying baby. She might not get up right away. She might even entertain a sinful thought or two. I wish I'd never had this baby. But she actually is capable of getting up and taking care of this child despite her fallen human flesh. And she does. God be praised. Her heart isn't pure. She doesn't keep the law perfectly in an inward way. 
But to some degree, she does keep it in an outward way. The baby lives, and even prospers, and is loved, and that's good, and we should never minimize or stop that. But the heart is the real problem. God makes a claim on everything that you have, and everything you are belongs to him, and is to be in service to him. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. The Lord expects the mother to sacrifice for her child and never count the costs and never get resentful or weary. But who can claim to stand according to that standard? I mean, none of us. Thank God. There is... There is more to rendering to God what is God's than our keeping the law. Because nothing belongs to God more than Christ himself. Born without sin, he's like Adam before the fall. But as God himself in the flesh, he is in fact more than that. He's the actual and literal image of God. He is God in a way that Adam never was and we never will be. St. Paul puts it this way. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And the author of Hebrews says, Long ago... At many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. The Lord himself, Mary's son, is the ultimate cheerful giver. He renders unto God what is God's, himself. He doesn't hold anything back. He doesn't daydream about what he could have instead. And he doesn't make long speeches for later. With this gift, he sanctifies all our meager gifts and hesitant attempts at service. He not only forgives our sins and declares us righteous, but he also gives us to the Father. He gives himself, and he gives us. He is the image, and so are we. That's baptism. He presents us to the Father, as his own immaculate, redeemed, holy bride in his image. That's Good Friday. That's Holy Eucharist, Holy Communion, the joining of heaven and earth, and the singing with angels and archangels and the whole company of heaven. This is Jesus offering himself to the Pharisees that they might be freed from hypocrisy 
and know the joy of giving to God what he already has. The great irony is that Caiaphas and the Sanhedrin convict Jesus for saying, I am, and then they hand him over to the Romans for crucifixion. But as they do this, they are actually rendering to God what is God's. It's, it's pretty amazing. And that giving is what opens heaven and restores us to God's image. Jesus fulfills the law for us. He renders to God what belongs to God so that we again belong to God and might enjoy babies and spouses and frozen pizzas as if it were our last day. The peace of God which passes all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.